Hey, welcome to Accidental Gods, to the podcast where we believe that another world is still possible, and that together, growing communities of purpose and of place, making our networks reach out to the world, we can make it happen. I'm Amanda Scott and I spent the first series of this podcast laying out the basic toolkit that we think is essential to making conscious evolution a possibility, which is the entire premise behind the whole Accidental Gods project, this podcast, the website, and the membership portal that lies behind it. Since then, we've been exploring the depths of the extraordinary, generative, inspiring intersection where art meets activism, politics meets philosophy, and science meets spirituality, from which we can craft a vision of a future that is generative for all of us, for the human and the more-than-human worlds. At the end of the more recent podcasts, I've asked listeners to suggest people to interview, and Josetta Kimber got in touch. She's been an activist for the Earth for many years, but most recently she's been deeply involved with the Stop Ecocide campaign, created by the astonishing activist barrister Polly Higgins. Since Polly's death in spring of 2019, Josetta has been key to the creation of the Earth Protector Communities Network, which feels like one of those initiatives that has the potential to be genuinely world-changing if we can all take it and run with it in the grassroots of our own communities. So, people of the podcast, please welcome Josetta Kimba. So, Josetta Kimba, on a wild and wet September morning, welcome to the Accidental Gods podcast. How is it with you? You're in Stroud, I think. Yes, that's right. Stroud, Gloucestershire. Home of Extinction Rebellion. That's right, yes. <laughs> I'm very fortunate in that um, the, there's a, a lake near here where, where you can go wild swimming. So that's oh. a bit of a practice. I tend to get there just before seven in the morning. That sounds glorious. Oh, it is. It's so amazing. So you're all fresh and swum and wild. That's That's rather good. <laughs> yes. So we are in the, the second week now of Extinction Rebellion action as we record. By the time this goes out, the action will probably be over, although with Extinction Rebellion they always say at least this amount of time. And I remember in October last year there was a theory that we were going to go on until the government changed its mind. But then I think we realised, first of all, people's stamina was running out and second, the government wasn't going to change its mind. Mm. So no reason to do so. And now they have an 80-seat majority, I guess that's even less. But we want to talk today about stop ecocide and earth protection and all of the things that lead to that. And one of the reasons that Extinction Rebellion is in London, Cardiff and Manchester as we speak is to try and get the government to support the Climate and Ecological Emergency Bill. And I know that when you started, you were quite closely allied to Polly Higgins, who was a pioneer in the area of using the law to bring climate awareness and particularly the concept of ecocide into legal parlance. Can you tell us a bit about that and about your history with Polly? Yes, with pleasure. I first found out about Polly, I think, in 2010, and it made total sense to me, the idea of a global earth law after spending so long 
looking at the state of the world and thinking, you know, how how can we how can we heal this? And coming across Polly was was a bit like an epiphany. And Polly herself, when I actually got got to meet her, was a very warm and charismatic individual. And I think quite extraordinary in that she was very pragmatic, but also very heart-centred and would certainly embrace spiritual aspects, which she she wouldn't take into um, more conventional areas, but those of us that were close to her knew that she was holistic in, in her approach, actually, to her work. Brilliant. And she was what we would call now an activist lawyer, I think, which seems suddenly to have become a dirty word in government circles, but for the rest of us, feels like a really good idea. Can you tell us a little bit about what she did and her aims? Yeah, sure. I mean, Polly got a first uh, for her law degree and and was a, a very successful barrister with a very lucrative career in corporate law. And uh, famously, on uh, defending a client, she looked through the window of the courtroom and and decided, well, who's defending the earth? The earth needs a good lawyer. Brilliant. And she walked away from that career and dedicated, really, it was 15 years um, of, of her life from that point on. She, she gave herself a year to research how she would use the law to protect the earth and and never look back. Um, and actually her husband and, and her sold their house in London to support her work. And what Polly discovered in her research was that the idea of ecocide wasn't a new concept. It was first um, named and brought to collective attention in Sweden by uh, in 1972 Gosh. by the Prime Minister then, who was Olaf Palm. And then in... 1996, I think it was, um, when the Rome Statute was drafted, an international law against ecocide was meant to be on that document, mm. um, but it was blocked by four countries. And this is what Polly discovered. Right. Do we know what four countries it were? I'm guessing America, the United States, France and Russia? The nuclear countries? Um, yeah, it, it was America, this country, France and the Netherlands. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think the Netherlands would block it now. I hope no, they wouldn't. No, Gosh. Um, Gosh. But that obviously gave Polly a lot to work with. And she she built a team around her, but then decided actually Stroud um, was the place she needed to be. And that's where she met Jojo, met her, and they were sort of like sister souls, if you like. They had a, a, an immediate um, connection. You better tell us a bit about who Jojo is. Yes, yeah, so Jojo met her at been born and brought up in Stroud but she was an activist in her own right and and had had done a lot um, 
actually to close down and raise support to close down a, a local incinerator, but also to have done a lot of work to stop fracking hmm. in the Forest of Dean and, and elsewhere. So she was very used to public speaking and was also uh, had also got a, a first from Oxford. So uh, that sort of helped. <laughs> she, she's a linguist. Okay, what role did she play in moving the earth protection concept forward? Well, they worked together and Jojo basically provided a lot of support and a sounding board for Polly. Also, Jojo is, is very tech um, capable, so that, that was helpful as well. And together they launched what is now the, the Stop Ecoside Foundation, and that was launched in 2017. So around the time that, that Extinction Rebellion was beginning, I suppose Extinction Rebellion really started in 2018? Yes, that's right, November 2018. But actually, Gail was very friendly with, with uh, Polly, and Polly was wholly supportive of her, her mission uh, to create uh, mass civil disobedience. And she she didn't laugh at Gail's idea, which is which was what had of, often happened. Um, Gail found, and to test case Polly and Jojo's uh, new trust fund document, I and Gail and a couple of other ladies who were based in Stroud went up to Lancashire and Preston New Road and got arrested and we were one of the first ones to run as a defence um, as conscientious protectors. We'd, we'd acted on the point of conscience and we had a, a legal document uh, to show that. And this was against fracking up at Preston New Road? Yes, yeah. And and did the defence work? It didn't work. We We were fined, but what it did enable us to do was to speak from the heart in the courtroom and to support our words with the fact that actually we we were legal trustees of earth, which is what happens when you sign up to become an earth protector. You then get a document which shows that you are a a legal trustee of earth. And is this beginning now to have traction? Because I know that a lot of us had signed up who were sitting in the streets last October, I'm guessing the same this year with XR, but I was never arrested, so it was never, I never tested it in court. Has it begun to gain any traction in the UK? I think it's opened up a, a lot more conversations. And and I think like the um, conscientious objectors of the First World War, who, who weren't recognised initially and were, were criminalised, but at the time of the Second World War, 40 years on, that was recognised. And so they were given, you know, roles as ambulance drivers and, and this kind of thing. Right. Um, so I, I think with this, Manda, it's, it's a case of numbers. Yeah. And actually, the more people use this and the more people sign up, the more it, it becomes... Um, a 
a recognised status. Yeah. And I remember reading an article or a blog possibly by a judge who had been presiding over XR prosecutions saying that they they kept taking them off because they were becoming too sympathetic. And what they were realising were that the XR people were, were genuine, decent people doing their best, exactly as you say, to be advocates for the earth and were not the the crazy anarchist hippies that the Telegraph and the Mail were telling them, which is kind of interesting that that is what judges invariably read and believe. It's quite a scary concept. Mm. But the fact that they had to keep switching them out and therefore this defence was made again and again, then more and more judges presumably would become aware of it, which has to be if we have a legal system at all by the time this government has finished breaking international yeah. law with impunity, it seems that has to be a step in the right direction, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it only takes uh, one judge, really, to to recognise, well, yes, I, I, can't, I can't really argue with you. That seems very reasonable. And then that sets a precedent, doesn't it? It does. And what was... Polly Higgins' husband was a judge, was he not? Yes, he, he is actually. He's the county judge of Gloucestershire, and I, I know he he was he was very proud of uh, the legal work that Polly did, particularly on on the Earth Protectors uh, Trust Fund document, um, b- because it was legally tight and and it could be recognised in nearly every country a, a, across the world right. as as a recognised uh, legal document with with that validity. And, I mean, if you don't mind, Manda, I, I'd love to read the words yes, of, please the, do. Uh, yes. of the document because I think they're worth hearing and um, I always find them really moving, especially the fact that the word love is enshrined in a legal document so when you become an earth protector you become a trustee of this document becoming a trustee of this document is to become an earth protector and trustee of the earth it is a declaration of love and acknowledgement that the earth the ecosystems of earth and inhabitants of earth whether human or otherwise have the right to peaceful enjoyment It is a declaration of belief that this peaceful enjoyment is both a moral and legal right and that any human act or omission which severely diminishes such peaceful enjoyment is a crime. Becoming a trustee of the earth is to become a protector of a law which is in alignment with a universally recognised moral code of respect, peace and a duty of care for all life. It is a direct expression of intent to create peace between all beings. Wow. I I think that's well worth um, signing your name against. Yes. And if people listening want to do that, can you tell us where they go to become universally recognised earth protectors? Yeah, if if you just go to the Stop Ecocide website, I think that will make it very clear how you sign up. Okay, and I will put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you, yes. And it, it 
um, the beauty of it is it's a one-off payment, so you're not tied into monthly or unless you want to be, of course, which I know they're very open <laughs> to that. Um, but but to become a legal trustee of Earth and Earth Protector, it's it's under a fiver actually. So, and then you get a document that you can print out and carry with you. And if you happen to be sitting on a street somewhere and the police happen to pick you up, then you have that with you. And I understand from those who were arrested that the police at the police stations were taking it seriously as a legal document, which is also a very good start. Yeah, yeah, it is, definitely. So you became involved with Stop Ecoside and Polly, and we need to say at this stage that we're talking about Polly in the past tense because she died in April 2019, um, which felt like a huge loss to the world, of the same calibre as the loss of David Graeber last week, which was such a shock and such a loss to the intellectual capacity of those of us who believe in a different world. And Polly's Polly's death was not quite so unexpected, I think. And she had planned for it and she had set things up so that the whole Stop Ecoside movement could carry on after she had gone. But it still felt like a huge gap in the firmament of of those of us who care. So you knew her and you were involved with Stop Ecoside and then you moved on more into Earth Protection as a specific entity. Can you tell us about your involvement with Stop Ecoside and then how you moved on from it? Okay, so when I found out about Polly's work, I began a campaign that ended up being called Rolls to Rio. (laughs) And this was using wallpaper lining to create community letters um so we'd stand on the street and get people to sign and write comments about how they they thought a global earth law an international law against ecocide was was really important and really necessary and in the end i think there were uh, around 12 of those wow. they they were very beautiful actually yes <laughs> and they were handed to uh, david cameron at some point but they they didn't quite make the splash that that we'd hoped for so there were there were lots of other ways that that i found to kind of support and promote polly's work through events. I know before the Paris, was that in 2016, I did a lot of letter writing, even to um, the venerated David Attenborough himself, hmm. um, who I, I who did return a handwritten response to me, actually. What did he say? Well, he, he wasn't quite ready to give his support to Polly's campaign at that point. Is he now? I think that's being worked on, Manda. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, we're getting a lot of notables on board, like, uh, I don't know if you're aware that Paul McCartney has become an earth protector Yay. and a supporter of Stop Ecoside and and um, earlier this week, Valerie Cabernes, who's um, leading the French arm of Stop Ecoside, was speaking to the Pope oh. in the Vatican. Wow. So it's really moving. And and that's that's happened really in, in the last year. I mean, you said that um, Polly had prepared for her death. 
that's only something that we knew in retrospect. Um, Actually, it was deeply shocking, her quick demise, and very unexpected by so, so many people who were touched by Polly. But the thing is, she had got things to a certain state whereby Jojo could step into heading the the campaign. And even Jojo herself will say if Polly had, had died, you know, even six weeks earlier, things wouldn't have quite been in place to support mm. what's right. happened since. Okay. So that was a, a very uncanny thing, really. So what we find in a lot of these things is that however difficult things are, we are still being given help, that that things do link up, even while yes. the forces of opposition seem also to be having things to link up. Yes. And, and I'm also thinking that last week in London, there were a huge number of really quite well-known people speaking in the writers, the XR writers group. There was Mark Rylance and A.L. Kennedy and some really very well-known writing names. Have they all signed up? To stop ecocide as well, do you know? I don't know that, Manda, but I, I would think that um, Jojo's uh, working on that. Okay, <laughs> yes, good. Okay, so let's carry on and talk about the, the kind of spin-offs the, or the other directions that people have gone. So when Polly died after the funeral and as a community taking that in, Anita, who was really Girl Friday... Hmm. Um, to Polly and Jojo, she she's um, she's a lady. I, I know she won't mind me saying who's who's in her early seventies, um, but she'd done a, a lot of things herself environmentally, worked with transition down in Chichester. But she heard Polly, and then she came to see Polly, and basically moved to Stroud because of Polly, wow. and offered herself in service to Polly. So she basically was chief cook and bottle washer and anything that that was required in a wonderful way that somebody who offers that gift of service will be. So Anita organised an event for anybody who was interested in, in continuing Polly's work through a different means on the ground rather than the the advocacy and diplomatic work that Jojo was necessarily going to be involved in, as now having taken on the torch that Polly passed to her. And from that, we developed a, a small team who thought that Earth Protector communities um, needed to be something that happened at community level. So... The Stop Ecoside Foundation works at the legal diplomatic level. It doesn't leave a a lot for on-the-ground activism once you sign up as an earth protector. And, And this was the gap that we looked at and wanted to develop. So we're still in the pilot project of that. But we have approached schools, 
health organisations, businesses, community groups. We've worked with the town council. And basically, the ask is that we act as if that law was in place. So we look at all of our practices and see how we can reduce the harm until we're living in a zero harm place. Right. So my particular piece of that, um, because I've I've been involved in education as an English teacher in the past mm. um, and as a supply teacher on the periphery of education, because I don't like the education system much. I don't know many teachers who do, interestingly. No, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, yeah, my arm of that has been been to look at how we can encourage local schools to make significant changes. And what are they doing specifically? Well, I must say, Manda, when I first began... And we, when we first had our meeting, so there were, you could choose, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in health as well. So I could have gone there, but I thought, OK, there are quite a few people in the health, so I'll do education. I, I was quite cynical, I must say, knowing how the education system is, mm-hmm. how the state school system operates and the inordinate amount of pressure that is put that teachers and uh, children, young people are put under. I thought, how, you know, how is this going to happen? But we received a a lot of good advice from a a local education organisation that has already been working in the field of encouraging environmental care. And she pointed out a number of things that we needed to get clear. Can you tell us what kind of things? Because I'm thinking that people listening all around the world would find these really useful if they want to go out into their own communities and begin to do this. Well, we developed a framework. It's very simple because you have to begin at the beginning, don't Mm. you? We've got an earth, how to become an earth protector school leaflet that took ages actually (laughs) to to draft and redraft. And can we download that from your site? Yes. And just before we go on, tell us what your site is and then I'll put that up onto the show notes as well. It's earthprotectorcommunities.net. Brilliant. Okay, so we can download quite a lot of resources from there. Yes. For, For people who might be inspired by the podcast and want to set out in their own communities and do it. Yes. Brilliant. That's what we'd really love people to do with with the understanding that we are still working it out ourselves. You know, we're, we're still in the pilot project. And is there room for other people? If, if people were inspired and wanted to contact you and help with the pilot project, is that also open or are you have you got enough people on the ground? Uh, No, absolutely. We're we're very open to that kind of interest. Um, Yeah. Okay. So we have Earth Protector Communities and Earth Protector Schools, and we can download the leaflet from from the website. And what else? Well, the Earth Protector Schools, for me, what has to be prioritised is mental and emotional well-being and frequent opportunities for time and emotion in in nature. And also um, one thing that that we ask, which is our bottom-up 
way of supporting stop ecocide is is that earth protector schools publicly endorse the campaign to get an international law against ecocide. And how are you finding much pushback from the parents? Because I'm imagining the young people that I know would be wholly supportive of this. But we live in quite a rural area with people who still think that the Conservative government is a wonderful thing, doing a really good job. I imagine if their children came home with this, it would have the same kind of trigger impact that Extinction Rebellion seems to be having on certain parts of the community. So are you finding that that schools are doing this and then the parents are are kind of marching with pitchforks? No, not at all. And with regard to schools doing this, that's inevitably a slow process, Manda, because it's we're talking about the state yes. <laughs> education system. But we could here. also talk about schools that were not in the state. There are there are schools that stand outside of the state education system that could presumably do it without state pressure against? Well, I'll tell you where we've got up to with this. So last year I was I was doing a lot of stands talking about Stop Ecocide and also the idea of earth protector communities. And I did that at WOMAD and various other places, um, as well as in Stroud. Significantly in Stroud, I, I met a parent who's actually part of XR families, and he said their school are, are doing an Earth Week, and w- would I be open to coming and speaking during that week? And of course, I said yes, and and um, and and so that happened in um, October of last year. Hmm. And the head teacher of of that school, it was primary school, Bussage, um, was open to a conversation about this. And basically they are stepping into becoming our first Earth Protector school. Right. We were in the process of of working out what that meant with them. Most delightedly, what Andy, the head, said, because we said about becoming Earth, Earth Protectors and how individuals sign up what he decided was that well all all the staff and all the children could sign up individually Ah, which which was something beyond my (laughs) what I'd I'd never conceived a school would agree to but he felt it it fitted what we're about fitted within his you know, the school's values, and they've got on their governing parent, governor bodies, you know, they're very, a lot of green activists. So, so that feels amazing to me. We've also had um, conversations and meetings with um, three local secondary schools who are interested. And there are two private schools and one that's a Steiner based school who are are very keen to step into becoming an earth protector school. Brilliant. I would think Uh, the whole Steiner movement would want to do that. So all of the Steiner schools in the country or or indeed around the world could do this. And the Montessori schools, all of the all of the ones that are based on this kind of ethos. And then also I'm thinking colleges and universities. We don't have to limit ourselves to early education, we could go into further education as well. I have in front of me um, also a leaflet on how to become an Earth Protector University 
we are working on that and um, we've had meetings over summer with some interested university students um, right. and so that's that's again an on- ongoing dialogue and I went and spoke at the Wimbledon College of Art last year and they're very interested in becoming an earth protector university in that their organisation publicly endorsing, you know, the international law against ecocide. So brilliant, yeah, brilliant. And I can imagine, even if we could get the activists in some of the Cambridge colleges, it, you could be an Earth Protector College. And I think SOAS and the LSE, some of the really forward-thinking activist universities, this could be a really fast-moving concept yes once it begins to seed out i imagine and that's only one arm because you're also you said that you could have moved towards health and and then there's governance are there any town councils that looking to become earth protector town councils um yes yes they're they're open and they're interested in in stepping into that so that again that's part of this ongoing conversation and what about the C40 cities? Because the they have recently come together. I think there's there's now actually 76 C40 cities. Um, but in the beginning, obviously, there were there were 40 of them. And they are run by activist mayors who want have an agenda for what they call a green and just recovery from COVID. And I would have thought that, again, bringing the Earth Protector concept on board with that would be something that they would be interested in? Has anybody contacted them, do you know? So all these things are are really, yes, are really in in part of what we want to do. I must point out, Manda, that we're quite a small team. Yes. And and so it, it is it is down to actually at the moment not having enough human capacity to, you know, follow those threads that you're speaking about. You know, I'm sort of focused on the school part of it. And and just to finish that, I, d- I don't know if you've um, heard of the educational resource group Thought Box. Yes. Um, you have. I, I think it's run by a lady in Totnes. Yes, that's yes, right. Who I used to know quite well. I, uh, yes. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, right. Fantastic. Rachel, anyway, so yes. but I do, but our listeners don't. So please expand on that. Well, Rachel Musson founded um, Thoughtbox um, as as a way of of bringing in the kind of education that she feels is what will support and empower young people a lot more than than what happens now, which is basically kind of shoving facts and information into children yes. um so this is i know rachel's approach is a lot more about um the the personal inquiry um of of the young person and also she's very concerned to hold the well-being of of those young people through through the lesson material, so we're, we're partnered with Rachel, and I know over summer, 
I've helped her with um, the development of a a new scheme of work around equality and justice, Mm. which has, well, gave a lot of input, uh, which probably far too many resources. But what's uh, amazing for me is that it it will include the work of Stop Ecoside. So that gives state schools everywhere a free downloadable resource that can slot into the citizenship and PSHE curriculum um, so that young people can be informed about what's happening now. And obviously it will cover issues around sexism and racism, Hmm. but also the latest research on um, tree communication, as in the the wood wide web yes the underground mycelial networks yes, yes. exactly and also interspecies communication and animal communication oh, fantastic and and also well-being so the latest heart math research which right. which clearly shows how important it is it is for us to take care of our own emotional well-being because we affect the collective field yes so, um, yeah, it, it feels it feels great to be a part of that. And I have actually written an article um, which which I've sent out to a lot of educational journals and magazines and uh, the Primary Times have so far published it. Oh, right. I hope others will. And is that something that we could put on on our website? Do you think is it is it available as a blog in blog format? Or would you rather um, it is it something that you would rather the publications had first use of? Um, no, I can I can send you a copy of the article. It's quite short, and and it has you know it'll have the links uh, below it as well for Brilliant. Um, thought box. Okay, um, please do. We'll put that yeah. into the show notes as well, or we may create a separate blog for it. But one way or another, it'll be on the site. Thank you. This feels really exciting and the potential for moving far beyond the UK um, with our particular strange and limiting education system. But there are innovative schools all around the world who presumably would be really interested in this. If people listening to the podcast were interested, they could become Earth Protection Community Coordinators in their own countries. Does that Work? Absolutely, yes. And and there is, you know, there's movement around that in Portugal, in places in Germany and other places. Like for a lot of organisations, Manda, it so much has kind of gone gone into the ether for now yeah. and we're, we're in the business of regrouping what what has come out of this um covid for us though as well has has been um earth protector communities youth voices online so we've we've got a small team of um young people to six formers and university students who are putting on events and we we have a, a an event coming up next week which is called Wildlife to the Rescue and it features Maya Rose Craig who's a 17-year-old um activist who got awarded an honorary degree by Bristol University for the work yes. that she's she's already doing and stepping into with regard to 
I think, ethnic minority communities and recognising how less access they have to nature and therefore she's done lots to change that. Brilliant. I think she ran a campaign, Black to Nature. She speaks about vulnerable ethnic communities. And people who would have had huge connections in their countries of origin, and then they end up in the UK, in inner cities. I I have Mm. uh, some Quaker friends who organised something, or did before COVID, once a year, where they brought communities out from Birmingham and just let them sit by the river Mm. near Bishop's Castle because Mm. they hadn't seen a river since they left. And and obviously the children hadn't seen one at all. Mm. Um, And I have another friend who teaches kids kind of wild camping and bushcraft and and gets them lighting their own fires. And she said this little boy who, under normal circumstances, has ADHD and everybody considers him really difficult. And once he had lit his fire, which took him a long time with a flint and, and iron, he sat with it for 90 minutes unmoving. And she went mm. and sat beside him and said, are you okay? And he said, I've never seen a fire before. Oh. I thought, it's just... What we are doing to our children in terms of cutting them off from the origins of who we are is heartbreaking. And yet, clearly, there's people really working hard to rebuild those connections. Mm. That sounds amazing. And if Bristol is prepared to give her an honorary degree, then Bristol sounds to me like a place that would want to be an earth protector university. So that sounds good. Yes. Again, it's a work in progress, that one. Yeah. And so a lot of this is happening online, I'm guessing now, because of COVID. And it looks to me like we're going into another spike and we'll be back in the the kind of Zoom burnout (laughs) before long. But uh, are you able to create the networks online that you were formerly creating on the ground? It's to be hoped so. I mean, now schools are are going back. I think the way forward is finding key individuals like like Andy, uh, the head teacher of Busage, and uh, Matt, who who was the parent who who connected me. It's people like that 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 kind of help to move the conversation forward, isn't it? And and make it a kind of practical, realised result rather than just something that you're talking about. Yes, yes, because that has to be the the important thing is that we actually make an impact and also that we make an impact beyond the people who already get this. It's yes. the ripple effect to the people who don't yes. even know that this is a possibility that yes. seems to make a huge difference. In terms, just taking a step back, the wildlife to the rescue, Do you know what day that is? Because we will be going live on the 16th. Well, that is on the 16th of September. Ah. Okay, guys. So if you're listening on launch day, I will have put a link in the show notes by the time you see this. So head off and find it because that sounds really exciting. Yeah. Um, The the other organisation that um, is being interviewed on on that day, on the 16th, is uh, Nature is a Human Right. Um, And that's been founded by a young woman, Ellen Miles. And it's basically just highlighting what we've just been speaking about, Manda, that um, how, how many people just don't have access to nature and 
the growing body of, of scientific evidence that shows how beneficial um, it is for people to have nature connection on all levels of our, our being. Not really a surprise to me at all, but it's good that the science is is developing to back that up. Yes, yes, because those of us who do spend time in the more than human world know this at such a deep and profound level. But I, yes. on the occasions when I go into cities and realise that, that some people spend all day and never touch the earth and never hear anything that isn't cars and loud music and sirens and all of the things that are made by humanity and they haven't heard the song of the stars because there's no option to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's terrifying, frankly. But yes, okay, so we will create links to that and presumably to ongoing series of which these are a part. Mm-hmm. And that would be, we'll find that on earthprotectorcommunities.net? Um, I, or on, I'll send you a link to our Facebook page because okay. it, it'll be on there. Brilliant. So we're heading towards the end of our time. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to tell us about or that you wanted to encourage people listening to do so that they can get involved with whatever free time and energy they have to spare? Well, the aim of Youth Voices Online is to encourage just that. It's to encourage the small steps that we can take and recognise that, that those small steps actually do make a difference, even though it feels in the face of there's so much <laughs> that needs doing it's easy to kind of just get overwhelmed and think, oh, nothing I do is going to make a difference. Hmm. But there's lots of cases to show and highlight how actually even doing a small thing as a regular practice makes a huge difference. So that's what Youth Voices is sort of aiming to encourage people to do, really. And to... Yeah, to to feel that by speaking out in your community, by endorsing the international law against ecocide and signing up to become an earth protector, yes. this this is how we collectively take charge of this situation. And and I know you'll be aware of the um, social change bell curve. So you begin with the pioneers and then you get the early adopters and then the early majority. I'm feeling like there's a lot of movement in that early majority. And if that early majority could only support the Stop Ecocide campaign, you know, the world will change and we we will see a a surprising momentum in that shift once earth damage is criminalised. Yes, Yes, so that, that that that's the bottom line. I think that I I want people to be aware of. Yes. Um, you know, we we have to we have to draw a line in the sand, and we have to come to a point of zero tolerance, and use the mechanisms we've got, um, like the law, yeah. to uh, support what we all want to see, which is, in Charles Eisenstein's words, that more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. Yes, that is beautiful. Thank you. I am wondering, as we finish, would you read for us again 
the language of the Earth Protector pledge that people would be signing up to and organisations could be signing up to because I think it's such a core and profound thing that it gives people a framework within which to work because I know locally we often go to our local political units we go, we want you to declare climate and ecological emergency. And then they say, well, what does that mean? And then we have to convene groups to help them work out what it means. But actually, mm -hmm. if we were able to go, it means you sign up to this and this is the bottom line of every decision that you make, then it gives us a ready-made framework. Mm -hmm. So could you read that out again? With pleasure, yes. So becoming a trustee of this document, a trustee of Earth, is to become an Earth protector and trustee of the Earth. It is a declaration of love and acknowledgement that the Earth, the ecosystems of Earth and inhabitants of Earth, whether human or otherwise, have the right to peaceful enjoyment. It is a declaration of belief that this peaceful enjoyment is both a moral and legal right and that any human act or omission which severely diminishes such peaceful enjoyment is a crime. Becoming a trustee of the earth is to become a protector of a law which is in alignment with a universally recognised moral code of respect, peace and a duty of care for all life. It is a direct expression of intent to create peace between all beings. That is so beautiful. Thank you very, very much. I think we will end on that. So Josetta Kimber, thank you for being part of the Accidental Gods podcast. Thank you very much, Manda. So that's it for another week. Huge thanks to Josetta for her heartfelt activism and for her commitment to bringing earth protection to the grassroots of all our communities. We will be back next week with another conversation. And if you ever have ideas of people you'd like to hear on the podcast, do get in touch. You can contact me at Manda, that's Manda with an M, M-A-N-D-A, -A, at accidentalgods.life. And in the meantime, thank you to Kara C for the sound production and for the music at the head and foot of the podcast. Thanks to Faith Tillery for being the other half of the creative team that is Accidental Gods and for designing the website. If you want to visit us there, we are at accidentalgods.life. You'll get the show notes there, all the previous podcasts, the visualizations and meditations in the resources section, and access to the Accidental Gods membership program, which is a structured training designed to give everybody the opportunity and the means to connect with the more-than-human world in a way that allows us to ask the questions that we need to ask, first amongst which is, what do you need of me in this moment when the world is changing so fast under our feet? I genuinely don't think that we have all the answers, and I genuinely do think that the other-than-human world, the more-than-human world, the natural world, the web of life, whatever you want to call it, not only has the answers, but is waiting to tell us what we need to do, each of us, how we can find how to be the best of ourselves, how we can find what it is that the world needs of us in each moment. So, if you know of anybody who would like to be active in being part of the solution, then do send them this link 
And in the meantime, that's it for now. See you next week. Thank you and goodbye.